0: Uh, Welcome! It is Christmas here, believe it or not. Um, It is a blessing uh, to be able to worship with you guys. I don't want you to ever think that we take that for granted. Um, I love this time of year. I genuinely always have, and there are so many reasons. We can start with the superficial. I love Christmas lights. I just do. It is so true. The way I look at it is, in the middle of our dreary gray brown, seemingly lifeless landscape that exists all around us. The lights and decoration of Christmas do seem to bring everything to life just a little bit, don't they? The Christmas cheer, it's its real. The Christmas spirit, it's a real thing. It absolutely is. Now, don't get me wrong. There is also very real this idea of, of being a Scrooge. There are a lot of people who fit into that category, For sure. And so the question becomes, as a believer in Jesus Christ, where should we fall? Now, I don't suppose there's probably a biblical mandate for all of us to get our elf costumes on and go around handing out candy canes. That would be a little awkward. But, but are we capitalizing on the opportunity that's before us each and every year as the world around us is celebrating, whether it knows it or not, the birth of our Savior and our King? Does our attitude to this time of year reflect the joy of Christ that should be within us? Is the Spirit of Christ obvious to those around us as we consider exactly what happened 2,000 years ago in that manger in Bethlehem? If you've chosen to follow the Messiah, the prophesied King of Israel, the Son of God, this moment that we remember each And every year changed the world. And now Jesus has changed you. Can people see that change? If God has brought you here this morning or are listening online maybe for the very first time, then we pray that that spirit of Christmas is sensed by you. That it exists alive and well here at Berea, not just this time of year, but each and every time that we get the chance together. That promise of the coming Messiah that captivated a nation for nearly 2,000 years as they prayed, as they waited, as they hoped for their Savior to one day come. The moment of His birth left such a lasting mark that here we are, 2,000 years later, still celebrating that birth. The wonder of the coming King. The anticipation of when He would come, of how He would come, where He would come, and exactly what He would do when He arrived was a mystery for centuries. A nation left waiting on God's perfect timing. Last week, we began to look at God's pursuit of his people. From the origins of the nation through Abraham's, God's desire was always for his people to be close to him, to rely on him, to put him first. And time after time, century after century, king after king, Israel would turn its own way and leave God behind. God continued to pursue them through it all, sending prophets with words of encouragement, with words of guidance, and yes, with words of warning, to turn back to God or else suffer the consequences. And if you know the history of Israel, you know that they would come close to God and then they would move Far away, they would grow close to God for a season under the leadership of biblical godly leaders, but then they would find themselves turning away at the next available opportunity. That cycle would continue generation after generation after generation, and honestly, it continues today. As people, even nations, turn to God at times, in times of need especially, but then completely deny his existence at others. You could look at America today and see this steady decline. Of faith in Jesus and I can't help but wonder if a part of that decline comes from us from believers who have forgotten what it is we are still waiting for the Jews were awaiting their Messiah their deliverer to arrive in what they thought would be the grandest of ways when he did come many never took notice because he didn't come in a way that met their expectations today jesus has not only already come but he's already lived he's already died he's already risen from the grave he's already defeated sin and death he alone has the power to forgive sins and offer eternal life to those that believe in him church we have some great 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 news to share every day but this time of year jesus is already in the minds of a lot of people that don't believe as we celebrate his birth so we are left to take advantage Of this opportunity. God is literally laying it out before us without any excuse every year at this time. And yet we must remember that we as believers, we still wait. We await Christ's triumphant return. He has promised he will come back again, this time as a conquering king, not as a baby in a manger. He first came and he subjected himself completely to his creation. He will come again to establish his kingdom forever. Our waiting is still in wonder, much like that Jewish nation, because let's be honest, we truly don't know when it will happen. We truly don't know what all will happen when Jesus arrives again. But there is a key difference. We already know him, we already know who he is we already know what to look for we've already had an opportunity to get to know him and accept his love for us we already know what he has done for us to forgive us of our of our sins to offer us eternal life through the power of his blood we should be waiting and wondering in victory not in fear like the nation of israel as we wait we share this victory and we invite others into this love his love his peace, his freedom that so many of us have already found. We're not waiting for Jesus to come to bring these things. We're waiting for him to come and make these a permanent state of being, an eternal life that will now be free of evil without pain and suffering, a life in his holy presence for all eternity. Yet as we wait, we watch and we see people turn away just like they did in the history recorded of the writings of the prophets. Whether people are specifically rebelling or they just simply don't believe or they just don't see the value of the Messiah in these times. All of these are possible reasons. Our role becomes to persuade them into the love that Jesus has for them. Our role becomes to convince them of their God-given value in their lives so many people are struggling with identity and figure out who they are we have the answer to that question who they are in christ and how much he loves them and that he alone can save them that jesus came and offered his life in exchange for theirs so that they could be with him forever we get to share that with them that there is a gift that awaits them this christmas that has the power to change the course of not just their life now, but for all eternity. You see, the wonder of Christmas is just as real today as it was then. We just have to first realize and then choose to live within that wonder as we wait on his return. Then, then we must open our eyes Open the eyes of our family, of our friends, of our neighbors, our coworkers to that exact same wonder that should exist within each and every one of us. So as we dive back into God's words, we're going to again point to some of the words that Israel heard about this coming of Jesus and try to imagine ourselves in this position, awaiting His initial arrival, as a nation of people waiting for the fulfillment of this promise from God. Now, we know it's hard for us to do. We know all the who's, what's, when, where, why's, and how's of Jesus' arrival. But to them, can they imagine how the words of the prophets, maybe if they tried to put them all together, didn't quite make sense? One author highlighted the texts this way. He said this, Interwoven within this great narrative of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, were tiny seed-like promises which gave little insights into the mind of God. He promised things like a woman's offspring would crush the serpent's head in Genesis 3.15. He promised a prophet like Moses in Exodus 15. He promised someone who is both Lord and Son in Psalm 110. one ten one." whose body would never see decay in Psalm 16.10, who was a priest forever in Psalm 110.4. These unexplained little pieces of information undoubtedly caused a lot of debates amongst the Jews, but it all added up to the expectation that indeed God would send a Messiah as promised. Listen to the words of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I, I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. As a Jewish person listening to that, your natural question would be, when? When, God, will you do this? When will these days come for us? When will you bring this to pass? Earlier in this same chapter of Jeremiah, God promises that Israel will be restored. He promises that there will be singing, there will be dancing, they will be redeemed from their circumstances and delivered into freedom. Clearly, to them, God is going to send a king to save them. Clearly, at least it's another Mosaic figure to come and free them from the bondage and take them to the promised land. But what if, what if they were holding out hope in the words of the prophet Isaiah and the description of the Messiah he offered? Because it seemed to be very, very different. Some of the most famous Messianic prophecies God reveals through the prophet Isaiah. But listen to their tone. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before Him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him, nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. You'll recognize these next words. But he was pierced, for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So our king is a, a suffering servant? God, i got to ask, where's the hope in that? If he is despised, if he is rejected, if he is crushed, how will we be healed? How will he be able to save us? While the wonder surrounding his coming could definitely be seen a little bit confusing for those filled with anticipation as a church. We recently studied the words of Paul through the book, Of Ephesus, the letter to his church in Ephesus. Paul is constantly referring to the gospel as this great mystery, the mystery of salvation for all mankind. So as you hear the words of the prophets and you consider the wonder of the Hebrew nation as they waited their deliverer, can you sense the mystery of the unknown? How will this work out the tension that exists as they wait on this coming king in this suffering service? Exactly who is it, God, that we are waiting for? As time passed, the Israelites had their good moments, and they had their bad moments. They lived in exile. They moved home. Nehemiah brought them home. They rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Then even the voice of the prophets went silent, Scripture tells us. The final voices, those of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Then all of a sudden, even the voice of God seemed to go silent. Did the wonder cease? Were Jews no longer looking and longing for their Messiah? Had they given up hope in this Savior, a deliverer? As empires came and went, Rome had now inhabited their land. The line between religious leaders and the politics of Rome were very, very vague, to say the least. Corruption in politics wasn't any different in the time of Jesus than it is today. Were the ruling Jewish leaders, were they still now longing for a Messiah? Did they still have a hope in the ancient prophecies at all? (laughs) Likely, yes. Yes, some did. But we know that many did not. Because after all, if a Messiah came, well, then they would lose their power and their influence and their lifestyle. And they certainly would not want to give that up at all. So how do we know in the time of Jesus there was still hope? There was still a dream. Did Jewish young women still dream that if they became pregnant with a son, that that son would be the chosen one of Israel? Were the rabbis still longingly awaiting each and every day as children were brought to them that the child would one day be brought in the child who would grow to restore the name of God in all of Israel and perhaps even the world as you consider whether or not people were still holding out hope that the Messiah would in fact come I want to introduce you to two obscure names they're hardly mentioned only this one time in the New Testament but their simple and short story should fill our heart even with wonder today So if you haven't opened your scriptures yet, Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be, just after the traditional Christmas story. Beginning in verse 22, Luke records these words. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Notice he's just a man who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, Moved by the Spirit that day, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what is custom of the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss me, your servant, in peace. So that the thoughts of many hearers will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, Mary, as well. There was also a prophet named Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worship night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Two distinct, obscure names Simeon and Anna, an incredible man and woman of God. One, who had been given a promise, another who had lived a long life of devotion to the Lord after her husband's passing. Imagine the circumstances surrounding this encounter. Mary and Joseph, they head to the temple to do what any good law-abiding Jewish parent would do. The trip was about 40 days, probably exactly 40 days after the birth of Jesus. It was to bring a sacrifice for the purification of Mary and for the dedication of baby Jesus. Anna was already at the temple the text tells us she never left but worshipped day and night while Simeon happened to be prompted by the Holy Spirit that very morning to go to the temple on that day was hope alive and well at least for those two in Israel absolutely you see at some point in Simeon's long life God had come to him through the Spirit and given him an expiration date how concerning would that be to you God comes to you and says, oh, by the way, I'm going to tell you when you're going to die. (laughs) Think about that for a moment. It sounds like a pretty awful thing to know, right? Well, yeah, it would be. But if you understand the context, there was no date. He didn't give him a date on the calendar. No, no, no. Instead, he filled this man with this incredible anticipation, this longing that the one that God would bring for the consolation of Israel. That's an odd word. The only word we ever hear that with is a consolation prize which is not a good thing, is it? <laughs> it means you lost. So no, the runner-up, no, that's not a good thing. So what did it mean? It mean he was waiting on the comforter of Israel, the healer of Israel, the counselor of Israel to come and heal the nation of Israel and its people. Simeon had now spent his life waiting for the day for God to reveal this child to him. Can you imagine waking up every morning? Would you ask, hey, God, is today the day that that's going to happen? Is today the day you're going to fulfill this promise to me? Would you keep asking day after day? Because remember, that revelation is also your expiration date. Would that concern you? What a position to be in. Well, I love Simeon's response He answered the call that morning and he went to the temple. He didn't argue with God. He just went ahead saying, okay, God. And then he found the child. And his quote to God, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now you may dismiss your servant in peace. I am ready to go. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people. Israel. Imagine the emotion in his cry to God as that wonder was revealed to him. And then he spoke to the child's father and mother, and they marveled at what Simeon was saying. Simeon blessed them, and then he spoke to Mary because prophetically he knew Joseph wouldn't be around. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in israel and a sign that will be spoken against think of the words of the religious leaders spoken against jesus so that the thoughts of those leaders their hearts would now be revealed what they're really seeking the power the influence the prestige they were never seeking the messiah they were seeking their own well-being and then he tells mary that you too will be have well you will suffer incredible pain because of this child's existence Simeon, without hesitation, if that were me, and even if I knew, might I say, hey, God, are you sure this is the right kid? You sure you got it right? Because, you know, I'm cool. I can stay a little longer. No big deal. I can wait just a little bit longer. Simeon was so far past me, so far beyond us, because his hope was not in this world, and he firmly knew that. He had his hope in something far beyond, and I think, in fact, Simeon, like all of us, hopefully longed to be with his God. He was ready to go and God, if it's time, let's go. Bring me home. His eyes have seen the salvation, a light for the Gentiles. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What? I thought this was for Israel. Ah, God has revealed to this man the mystery of the gospel. Before Jesus himself revealed it, this man just spelled it out. Hey, this kid isn't just for the Jews. This kid is for the Gentiles. Hear me in this. And did you notice that Simeon is just an old guy? He's nothing special. He's not a priest. He's not a prophet. Nothing special about this. Just a guy. Yep, God chose just a guy. Just an old man to encourage, to reaffirm, and maybe even to reveal the true identity and purpose and plan of this baby. It's incredible. If you truly looked at Mary and Joseph's response, it should have elicited a question when they marveled at what Simon said. Our sons going to... Going to do what, Simeon? It asks the question then, did Mary and Joseph not know? I'm just going to leave that with you. Think about it. The wonder that filled this man, I really am just going to walk away from it. I want you to wonder. I truly do. The wonder that filled this man before this moment And then this moment arrives, the wonder that filled this man at the moment that this was realized, and God revealed to him his plan of salvation for all of mankind. Can you imagine the joy of Simeon in that moment? And I ask, do you have that same joy of Jesus Christ within you today? The second woman, an elderly woman, the scripture says, old Now, it says she was at least 84, but if you read the whole context, she was probably likely quite older than that, maybe as old as 100. She would have been married at a very young age like all Jewish women were. She was married for only seven years, and one of the options for Jewish widows was to then offer their lives then as a sacrifice to the temple if they chose not to be remarried, and that is what she chose. She's described as a prophet, one who proclaims a divine message You know, the text doesn't tell us anything at all ever about her other than this. There's no more information about her at all. There's some church tradition, but none of it is rooted in Scripture. Hmm. I wonder what all she did. God had given her some type of divine discernment for sure. She had spent her life. Was she waiting On this moment? Surely in her life in the temple, she had been immersed in these ancient prophecies from the Old Testament about this coming Messiah. The Spirit within her revealed that this is in fact the child. The Spirit in fact might have used Simeon to be the one to reveal to her that this is the child and that through him all of these things would be fulfilled. So, what did she do with this revelation in this moment? Did she quietly thank God for revealing it to her and then go back to her ways and her temple routine? Well, she did give thanks to God for revealing it to her, absolutely, for bringing this child into the world and for allowing her to see him. But then, then it says she became an evangelist. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. She spread the good news to anyone who would listen. Incredible. Do you think people listened to her? I ask, did they believe her? Was this really the Messiah or just the ramblings of an old woman? How did people respond? You know, we don't know. But I ask you, how do people respond today? When you set out to tell people the truth behind Christmas, how do they respond? Do people still marvel at Christmas time? Is there still a spirit that seems to move through the world this time of year? I would contend that the answer is yes. Yes, in fact, there is. The wonder that surrounds Christmas is absolutely real, and maybe, just maybe, God's intent was for that wonder to never, ever go away. This season comes around each and every year. Oftentimes, it happens at the perfect point, even in our own lives, when we need to be reminded exactly what this means for each one of us, and then for the entire world our minds, and probably the world tells us, hey, you know what, that's childish. Put those childish ways behind you. But something within us desires to experience that childlike wonder again, doesn't it? You see, as we get older, we need somebody or something bigger than we are to restore what we've lost. The pastor, Ravi Zacharias, said it this way, when we get old, it's harder to fill our hearts with wonder. Truth be told, only God can fill our hearts with wonder. And that happens when we begin to understand what we need most from Christmas is the hope the first Christmas still brings. And that hope lasts way longer than a season. Paul says it best in Colossians 1, 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory be in all of the hope of glory all year long, not just at Christmas. Father God, as we come into your presence this morning, as we lift up praises, as we study your word, and we consider the wonder that surrounded that moment in time when your son came, and we reflect on our own lives and consider, have we lost that wonder for your second coming have we lost that desire to see your face because if we have then we've definitely lost the desire to share your love with others may it not be so may this time of year inspire us redeem that wonder within us fulfill that wonder within us like it did simeon and like it did anna As their hopes and dreams were realized before their very eyes and they began to seek out an opportunity to share with anyone who would listen, may we be the same. Father, if someone has come with us this morning and and the wonder of Christmas is maybe what brought them here, but they've never heard the story of this Jesus and his coming to this earth to come live a perfect life so that he could offer that life up as a sacrifice for theirs. So they may come to know him. and save their life for all eternity and be forgiven of their sins. And I pray today the Spirit moves like He did in Simeon to prompt them to be here this morning and to prompt them to come and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, we know there's people in our midst each and every week that are struggling. Father, the wonder of Christmas is put on the backburners, if at all, because they're dealing with things in their life, surgeries, diseases, family crises, and Father, they need to come before You and humble themselves and pray. Father, we want to lift those people up this morning. We pray that they're willing to come forward to this very altar and lift those needs up to you. Allow us to pray with them, pray for them on their behalf in the spirit of the Lord. Father, we sense your presence here this morning. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.